0: Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, we're taking the first step to faith-filled obedience.
1: I believe that God's pattern is to ask us to do something. And when we do the little that we can do, He does the impossible that we can't do. But we have to do our part. We have to be willing to say, okay, I will take a step.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the president of Moody Bible Institute, and he's also the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. In our new series, Rewrite, we're turning to the book of John to see how Jesus takes broken stories and rewrites them. We've all experienced a time when we've been down and out and we've run out of money or love or skipped out of relationships that were important and struggled with our faith. Well, today, we turn to John chapter 2, and we're going to see the perfect example of God moving us past empty because we're willing to take the first step of obedience. Now, if you missed last week's message, you can catch up online at boldstepsweekend.org. But right now, let's get ready to look at Jesus' first miracle in our study called Moving Past Empty here on Bold Steps Weekend.
1: Not only can we experience emptiness and unexpected seasons of our life, But I want you to understand that we start breaking the cycle of empty the moment that we invite Jesus into our empty challenge. The Bible says that Jesus' mother said to him when she found out that they had run out of wine, they have no more wine. Jesus says to his mother, woman, it's not a disrespectful term, it's like kind of saying mom, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you to. I want you to see in this passage something really interesting. Jesus was at the wedding, but no one had yet invited him into the problem. I believe that sometimes you have Jesus around you in life, but the problem is that many times we don't invite Jesus into our emptiness. He's there He's around, he has the power, but someone has to believe that this Jesus, the Son of God, this powerful Savior with the power of the Holy Spirit, that he has the power actually to change things around and invite him into your emptiness. Some of us are used to a church Jesus, a Jesus that looks very stale, stagnant, and impotent. A Jesus that hangs on a wall, but not a living, powerful, dynamic Savior. Uh, Someone like Mary has to realize, hey, I know this man. His disciples didn't even know the power of Jesus yet. They were following him, but they had not really seen any miracles that he could do. Uh, They hadn't seen his glory yet. And I feel like some people that I run into, you haven't seen the glory of the living Jesus yet. You're not inviting him into your problem because you really don't know how powerful he is. You think he's limited to the religious circles, not to the real life circles. And so Mary understood Jesus. She knew the story behind Jesus. And so she invites Jesus into this problem. She's kind of a typical mother, right? they run out of wine don't worry my son will handle it jesus come on can you do something about it anybody have mothers like that the neighbor's car breaks down you say mom mom I no 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 you know how to fix it my son knows how to fix it son go fix it mom so jesus goes he's invited into the problem of emptiness that exists there and i want you to notice the phrase that makes a difference in this passage Jesus' mother says, do whatever he tells you to do. You see, the turnaround comes when you stop telling God what you think he should do, and when you start asking him what he wants you to do. Oh no, I'm talking to someone here. I know that. You see, there's a big difference between telling God what to do and inviting God to tell you what to do. Many of us have that relationship with God. You're in a jam, you're in a difficult circumstance, and you pray telling God what to do. And you feel like your prayers aren't really answered, that God's not doing what you've told him to do. But let me tell you, it doesn't work that way. There's a sovereign God of the universe that reigns on high, whose foolishness is higher than our highest wisdom. The sovereign God of the universe who expects you to say, hey, I put my life on pause. What do you want me to do, God? When's the last time you've asked God that? Not, God, do this for me, but when's the last time you said, God, I'm listening, I'm here. What do you want me to do in the middle of this emptiness crisis? I've done some marital counseling uh, a lot in the past. I don't do as much now, but I've been invited into some marriage difficulties where I will s- sit down At the table with a couple that's having difficulty, and I remember in one occasion specifically that I had been invited into a marriage problem. They were, you you know, they're not happy with each other when there's a space between them, and they kind of face a little bit like this. And so I said, I'm okay, I'm willing to sit down, Uh, let's talk a little bit about, and the man immediately jumped in. Pastor, you need to tell my wife that she needs to stop nagging me so much, and she needs to get behind me, and pastor, you need to tell her that I need someone to support me and someone to back me. You need to tell her that she can't be tearing me down all the time, that I need someone in my corner, and pastor, you need to tell her. After a while, I said, hold on, who's the counselor here? Because I thought I was the counselor. And you just spend the next, you spent the last 15 minutes telling what, me what I need to tell your wife. When you invite God into the situation, a counselor is of no good if you're telling the counselor what to tell the other person. And some of us treat God that way. You're telling God what to do with your circumstance, but you're not listening to what God has to tell you about what you need to do about your circumstance. There needs to be an invitation of the presence of God into your circle of emptiness. And can I tell you this about God? He has a propensity, a proclivity, an inclination For people to walk in fullness and not emptiness. In fact, I look at the nature of God and his nature is not for you to live empty. His nature, over and over he tells us in scripture, is that you would experience fullness in your life. John 10.10, if you're taking notes, jot this down. You need to know this verse, understand it, because the essence of this verse is so encouraging John 10.10, the thief comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your destiny. He comes to kill the God-given dreams, who God has called you to be, and he comes to destroy everything that God has engineered you to be. That's what the thief comes to do, the enemy But what does Jesus come to do? This is Jesus speaking. I came that you may have and enjoy life. Say it together, life. And have it in abundance. And the Amplified Version says, to the full till it overflows. I love that. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life, not just survival life, but life abundantly to the full and overflowing. That is my purpose and destiny and desire for everybody that calls upon my name, for those that are called according to my purposes, who I have engineered. I want you to be full and overflowing with my presence, my joy. That's his destiny for you. Look at what it tells us in John chapter one, verse 16. For of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace is something that we don't deserve, but he gives us. Psalm 1611, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Here's what I want you to know. God has created engineered you, designed you, made you not to operate in survival empty mode, but to operate in fullness mode. If you are not living in fullness, it's not because God doesn't want you to be full. It's because you haven't tapped into understanding how God intends to fill you. Fullness. Mary invited Jesus to deal with the problem of emptiness. And she said, do whatever he tells you. Number three, we move past empty when we're willing to take steps of faith-filled obedience. Verse six, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. I want you to see what Jesus does here. This is really, really important. It's an insight into how God works. Many of us want God to fix our problem. We want magical dust from on high. We want a wave of a wand. We want a lightning bolt from heaven. But we don't want to do anything. We want God to do everything. God could do miracles however he wants to do miracles. But I've noticed in scripture that his pattern is to have us do something and then he adds to what we can't do. He could have fed the 5,000 without anything, but he decides to take the lunch of a little boy and multiply it. Because God wants us to do the possible so that he can do the impossible. God God could heal the man with the withered arm without even touching him or that man doing anything, but instead he asked the man to come forward and he says, stretch out your arm. He wants us to do something so that he can do what we can't do. God could heal the blind man without making mud in the ground, but he spit and make mud and he put mud on the eyes and then he healed them. You see, I believe that God's pattern is to ask us to do something. And when we do the little that we can do, he does the impossible that we can't do. But we have to do our part. We have to take a step we have to be willing to say okay I will take a step God could have filled up these jars miraculously on his own but he asked the servants hey fill them up with water now they couldn't turn them into wine but they could fill them up with water so they filled up these ceremonial jars that were used for cleansing these big gallons they filled them up with water When they did what they could do, God did what they could not do. Man, I'm talking to someone here.
0: Taking the first step. That's the takeaway so far from our message here from Mark Job. You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend, and Mark will be back in a few moments with more from today's message. Here at Bold Steps Weekend, we'd love to know that you're listening. You can connect with us online at boldstepsweekend.org or connect with us on Instagram or Facebook by searching for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job. And before we jump back into today's teaching, Mark, I believe we have some new listeners joining us from Connecticut and points beyond.
1: Yes, I want to say that we are so very excited to welcome all those of you listening on WI.
0: HS in Middletown, Connecticut. Great station. Wonderful people there and wonderful listeners as well. Yeah, so welcome from the East Coast and I hope that you enjoy the programming that's going to be brought to you every weekend on this station. And let us know you're listening. WIHS Middletown, Connecticut. All right, now let's rejoin Mark for today's message as he continues with his fourth point, Moving Past Empty, here on Bold Steps Weekend.
1: You say, God, I have this bitterness and anger and hatred inside of me. Wave a magic spiritual wand and take it away. You say, God, take this away. And you say, God's not doing what I ask him to do. Well, remember, God doesn't like you to boss him around. God wants you to listen to what he wants you to do. But I also want you to remember that I believe that God wants us to take a step You say, take this anger away. And you say, God's not taking this unforgiveness and hatred and bitterness out of my heart. What's wrong? It may be that God says, all right, I'm going to do what you can't do, but you have to do what you can do first. You need to pick up the phone and have that conversation and say, I forgive you. You may need to write a letter saying, hey, this is very difficult. It's really hard, but I'm releasing you. You may need to have that personal conversation. You say, pastor, I don't feel it. Hey, you don't have to feel it for God to work. You have to take a step of obedience. You can fill up the jars with water, but only Jesus can turn it into wine. You can say, I forgive you, but only Jesus can take the hatred out of your heart and release that valve of forgiveness. I'm saying that you need to do your part and let God do what you can't do. Are you tracking with me? So many of us are stuck because we're not willing to fill up the jars with water. We just want God to fill up the jars and turn it into wine. You say, well, pastor, I really want to deal with this addiction. Lord, just take it from me. It's not working, pastor. Well, maybe God wants you to go to his 12-step program and start attending a class, and then God will do what you can't do by filling you with his power. Take a step in faith. God, I really need to get out of debt. I could use a check of 25000 just just, so you know, however you want to do it. Lottery ticket, I'm okay, Lord. Floating down from heaven, I'm okay. Relative that I don't know that dies and leaves me inheritance, God, I'm really good with that. Well, however you want to do it. But if you could just provide about $25,000, yeah. Or maybe God says, apply for a job. <laughs> and I will bless it, but you take a step. Fill up the jars. What is the step that God is asking you to take? Listen, what is the step that today God is asking you to take if you're listening to him? And say, take this step of obedience. Chances are it's not a new step. It's a step he's been nudging you towards. A step that he's been reminding you about. A step that he's been saying, Take this step. What is the step that God is asking you to take that you can do? And if you do it, you release or set yourself in a place to allow God to do what you can't do. The miraculous, the impossible. What is the step? Number four and lastly. So they poured the water. God turned it into wine. Jesus We're talking about 180 gallons of not Walmart cheap brand. This is vintage wine. That means a thousand bottles of wine. So not only do we end up at empty at any time, we start breaking the cycle when we invite him in and we're willing to take faith-filled steps of obedience. Number four and lastly, we move past empty when our filling is overflowing to the people around us. The Bible said, so they did it. And then the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, hey, everyone brings the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. Man, this is so powerful. Some of you have lived your life in a certain way, and now you're on empty, feeling like this is the worst days of my life. The best days of my life were when I was naive and full of fun and I was 21. But now everything goes down from there. But yet God is saying, no, no, you have it all wrong. You may be empty now, but I'm about to fill your jars with the wine that's better than the wine that you had before. I want to fill you up into place. You see, normally at a wedding, you serve the good wine first. And then when everybody's a little tipsy, you bring out the cheaper wine because they don't care by that time. And Jesus said, this is all reversed. You served the cheap wine first and now the best wine has filled the jars. I believe that this is a prophetic picture of what God wants to do in our life. I believe that God wants to fill some of you with the best years you've ever known, with the best season you've ever experienced because you've known empty. And now God says, the better is coming now. And here's what I want you to know. It tells us in John chapter seven, verse 38, you say, well, what does that look like, pastor? John 7, 38 says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Look at me. It is God's will that as a follower of Jesus, you don't have stagnant puddles in your heart, but you have this refreshing river of living water filling you up and overflowing to everybody that's around you. What does that look like? It means that you have a love that doesn't come from yourself, but supernatural. It means that there's a joy that flows out of you because God is at work in you. It means that there's a hope that fills your heart. It means that when you get around people, people are splashed with the presence and the glory and the goodness of God. It means that you're not running dry, but you're overflowing because he's filling you up over and over and over again. Oh, it doesn't mean that you never go through hard times, but it means that there is a steady river of life, the river of God, the Holy Spirit flowing inside of you and everybody around you becomes benefited by the river that flows from you. If you are a believer here today and you're not walking the fullness of the Spirit, it's not because God doesn't want that for your life. It's because there's something blocking the funnel that fills you. The Bible says that we can grieve the Spirit, that we can quench the Spirit. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't feel it. I just, I'm not, I don't have that joy. Then then I'm going to say, that's not God's will for you. I would ask you this question. What is the one step that God wants you to take to unplug the funnel so that the flow of his spirit can fill you up again? What is the one step that God's asking you to take? And some of you need to say, Lord, this is hard. This is difficult. If it was easy, you would have done it a long time ago. And if you're a believer, you need to ask, what's the step I need to take? Secondly, If you are here and you say, Pastor Mark, I'm just kind of new to all this. I don't consider myself a follower of Jesus or a believer. I don't think I've even ever had the spirit inside of me. But what you talk about today, I've lived with emptiness and I know I need God. God brought you here. Some of you got, God brought you here so that you would bow your knee today and say, Lord, I don't want to live like I've lived on my own today. I acknowledge that there's one that can fill me. It's not myself. He's the son of God. He died for me. He can cleanse me. He can wash me. He can make me new. And today I'm willing to come to him and surrender my life to him and say, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you.
0: Well, that's Pastor Mark Job. a very tender moment to end today's message. And Mark, We may have someone listening right now who's in that position. They've yet to yield to Christ, and this message is important for them.
1: You know, we're almost at the end of the year, and some of you, this has been a year that God has shaken you to the core. You may be listening to this message and never have surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you're a Jonah, you've been running, and maybe you've never quite understood that there's a step that you need to take. And that step involves surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you've never done that and you say, Pastor Mark, before this year's over, I know I need to do that. Then I want you to pause right now. I want to pray with you and for you if you allow me to do that. Father, I thank you for this person that today is acknowledging their emptiness before you. And so today, I pray with them that there would be a repentance, turning away from the old, and embracing you as ultimate Savior and Lord. I pray that you would enter their heart right now via your Holy Spirit, that they would confess that you, Jesus, are Lord and Savior. And Father, that today they would become followers of Jesus Christ, the King transformed and renewed, washed by the blood of the Lamb, and starting a new walk in you today, I pray. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer, you don't have to understand all the implications of surrender, but you have to be clear about your willingness to surrender to Jesus the Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you've made a decision, we want to hear from you. Wayne, how can uh, our listeners contact us?
0: Simply go to boldstepsweekend.org and click on My Next Step. And we'd be so happy to help you take that next step, that bold step for Jesus Christ. So go to boldstepsweekend.org and click on My Next Step. And while you're online, make sure to check out our latest bold action gift. And Mark, you can tell us more about that.
1: Sometimes we're so weighed down by the darkness of this world, we have trouble seeing the light. But God's goodness is still here. We have the choice to embrace his goodness every day. And it doesn't take a new world view or a new neighborhood to see it. It just takes discernment. Now, true biblical discernment isn't found in some list of do's or don'ts. It can't be earned with a degree or downloaded through an app. Real discernment is developed by pursuing the things of God, things that are just, pure, good, and holy. And so to help you peer through the brokenness and discover the goodness that God is calling us to, let us send you a book called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. Don't stay embittered by the snares of the enemy. Learn how to break the bondage and reclaim all that God desires for you by requesting this bold action gift today. We'll send you a copy right to your door when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry.
0: You can make your donation and request this bold action gift today by going to boldstepsweekend.org. Again, look for the book, All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. Call us with your gift to get the book, 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Well, that's all the time we have today, so thanks for joining us. Be sure to come back and listen again next weekend when we continue our series called Rewrite. We'll see you next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.